0: Welcome to our class on the book of Acts. Let's uh, bow our heads for a moment of prayer and we'll get right into the word today. Father, we are so grateful and thankful for to, to you. We are thankful for insight and revelation from your word. We are grateful and thankful that you give us ears to hear, willing hearts, obedient lives to what we learn, that we are doers of the word and not hearers only. And so, Father, we give you praise and thanksgiving for this word we're about to hear. Help us apply it, help us hear it clearly, and help us use it for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, I'd like you to open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to talk today about an element in the book of Acts, and I just want to lay some foundation work for it. And we're going to talk today about prayer. And we're going to look at some of the prayers that were in the book of Acts. But I want to lay a foundation and understanding of what prayer is. In the Word of God, we have different types of prayer um, uh, or styles of prayer, maybe even we could call it. We have the prayer of agreement, meaning more than one together, uh, praying about the same thing. We have the prayer of faith, meaning we take this word and put this word on a situation and pray it to the Father, confident that that word is working. We have prayers of consecration, where there's a setting of the heart before the Lord. We have prayers of dedication, of setting another life before the Lord. We have all types and styles of prayer. That's just a few. And so what today I want to do is not talk necessarily about the types and styles necessarily. But rather, I want to talk, in effect, what prayer is. We have prayers recorded in the Word. We have in Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. We have um, the Pauline prayers in the epistles, Colossians 1, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3. Great prayers to pray. Um, We even have Jesus' uh, prayers that he prayed in John chapter 17. And so we have examples of prayer. We have examples of intercessors in the word. We have Anna, that Luke chapter 2 tells us that she lived basically in the temple and in the house of God and continued um, constantly in uh, prayers and fastings. Um, we have Jesus himself, who showed himself as a, the greatest intercessor, that we know he was constantly in prayer, praying all through the night from time to time. Um, We have um, one of the people that we see as as an intercessor in prayer that I want to look at is John the Baptist. And so if you'll open to Mark chapter one, Mark chapter one, beginning in verse two, it says, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And this is speaking of John. John was sent as a messenger before Jesus. And his job before Jesus was to prepare the way. And we know that John spent a length of time in the wilderness, um, eating locusts and wild honey and clothed with camel clothes you know, kind of eccentric things. But what he was doing is he was interceding for the ministry of Jesus until the time he was called to act on it. And then he came forward preaching the repentance that we are so familiar with and doing the action of baptism. And so this voice of one crying in the wilderness to prepare the way of the Lord And make his path straight. So we know what prayer does is prayer makes the way of the Lord, prepares the way of the Lord, and makes his path straight. Now let's go over to Luke chapter 3. And in Luke chapter 3, again speaking of John the Baptist, um, in Luke chapter 3, verse number 4, is as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet saying, In regard to John, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough waters smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. So we can look at this and see in particular as he's preparing the way of the Lord, what John is doing. He's bringing up valleys. He's bringing down mountains and hills. He's making crooked places straight and he's making rough ways smooth so that all flesh will see the salvation of God. Now, in particular, what John the Baptist was doing was preparing a way of the Lord, preparing a way, the way of the Lord. And to prepare means to make ready. So he is making ready a way for the Lord. And if he's making ready a way, what is a way? A way is translated also as a road or literally a highway, um, a place to journey, A means of transport, a mode of transport. So, what John the Baptist was doing is making a way for Jesus. He was giving highways in the spirit realm for Jesus to walk. He was constructing roadways that Jesus would conduct life. And we know this to be true because of the connection that John and Jesus had. Later on, when John said and sent some delegates to Jesus said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus said, well, go tell John what you've seen. Go tell him the signs and wonders, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking. Go tell him these things because John will recognize me by the way he is prepared for the Messiah to walk. So we know that John knew What Jesus was going to do. We knew that he was going to be aware of the actions of Jesus' ministry because he had prepared that way, he had made that way. So let me say it to you this way what prayer is. Prayer is more than honoring God, although worship and prayer honors God. Prayer is more than supplicating, even though in prayer we make requests of God, supplicate, ask Him for things. It's more than that. And if we can see prayer as John the Baptist was commissioned to do, it will give us help in every area of our life. So basically in preparing this roadway, what John is doing is giving accesses to the Father. He's providing access. So if we look at our prayer life is what we're doing in prayer is providing access of the Father in our life. Or we could even say this, providing access for what God wants to do. You know, it tells us in the Lord's Prayer, pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? That's a prayer of praying a way for what's happening in heaven to happen in the earth. So as we look in the book of Acts today, I want us to continually think of prayer as access, highways, roadways, a means of God to intervene, a means for God to become involved, a means and a way for God to be a part of what's going on. Now, the thing about roadways is sometimes roadways have to be constructed. And sometimes with a road being constructed, the hardest, most time-consuming, But yes, most important part is the underlayment. The part that really doesn't, isn't seen as immediate manifestation. Sometimes in prayer, we're continually chipping away at something to give God access to something. You'll see this many times when you're praying for nations, sometimes for people, um, sometimes for the systems of the world where you keep pressing and pushing on a particular thing and maybe not see the immediate manifestation of it all changed, but knowing I'm laying some groundwork to develop access for God into that system or into that person's life or into that nation. So we can never be disheartened with construction. Always know that construction is progress, whether it's seen or not. All right, so prayer for the most that for what we're going to talk about today, we're going to think of prayer as giving God access, giving God permission or license. We've built a roadway between where we are and where the father sits. So he has a way to intervene, to participate. We give him permission and invitation to have a place in it. And notice with John that he went before Jesus because roadways need to be built before transportation is permitted. And in this situation that we must always understand that prayer precedes ministry endeavors. In fact, some uh, Bible scholars say that prayer is the prevention Of ministry failure. Prayer is the prevention of ministry failure. And basically, we could expand on that to say prayer is the prevention of life failure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing we have to be clear on, though, is a prayer life is built, not dealt. You don't get to just move on prayer when you feel something. You have to develop a prayer life. That a prayer life isn't something that we're moved to do. It's something we know we always ought to do. You know, it's a condition of our spiritual development. Your prayer life will determine maybe not only the pace, but the depth of your spiritual development. It is a key. The word and prayer, the connection with God, giving him access, And the word of God coming to know him and familiarize ourselves with him through the word are the two main components of all spiritual development. And without one, we become off balance. So we have to always know that our prayer life is essential for correct growing in our spiritual life. And we notice people that have a continual prayer life, we'll notice that it's almost as if a fragrance of God is on them that others don't have. It's because when you're continually building accesses to the Father, it can't help but the Father get on you. Um, Elements of the Spirit of God get on you. Heaven's resources get on you. And you'll notice that the more consistent prayers have a measure of God that's on their life and in their life than, than casual prayers will ever have. Um, And it's, it's got to be not only corporate prayer, because we need to learn how to pray in a group. You know, um, many times um, we have worship services that start with music and song and people come all over and they sit in a sanctuary or sit in a corporate worship service and they sing. We don't ask everyone that sings to sit on the platform. We don't ask everyone that sings to have a microphone because they may not feel proficient enough at that, but yet their participation of being there does something. Well, it's the same way with prayer. You may not be a prayer leader. You may not feel the boldness to be able to pray out loud and direct others, but yet your participation in a corporate prayer meeting does something because you are a person of God, so you have a supply of God that just even your presence and you participating brings that without you, we can't do. We can go places. We can build accesses. You may feel like you're the water boy at the construction site of building the access but you have a part. And when people are thirsty, you become the most valuable. So never think that you're not qualified to be a part of a corporate prayer meeting. Um, and then go according to the guidelines of that corporate prayer meeting. If there's a leader there that's instructed to lead, follow their leadings. Follow their leadings. Stay in the spirit with them, helping them construct. Don't decide, well, it's time to, let's just dig a different road. no. We're more effective if we're working on the same road at the same time. All right. So let's go over to Acts chapter four. And we're going to look at this first prayer that's actually recorded. Not the first time prayer is mentioned, but one of the first times that prayer is, the actual prayer is recorded in the book of Acts. And it says in verse 23 of Acts chapter four, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. What had happened is they had been forbidden to speak in the name of Jesus because um, of the effect it was having on the people and how the people were following them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, this is the prayer they prayed then. Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. First off, they start out honoring God. Lord, you are God. You are the one that created the heaven, the earth, the sea, all that's in them. You are God. So they started out with honoring God. The best way to start all prayer is to honor God. Begin with honoring God. Start with honoring God. And then they moved into building their foundation of this access by declaring what the word of God had in it. They went back to a passage of scripture, back in um, to Psalms and pulled this out and found a basis for what they were praying. They found a basis for what was going on. They found their circumstance in the word of God. And that is the best way to begin to lay underlayment of access in prayer is find your situation in the Word of God. Find your um, event in the Word of God. Find your dilemma in the Word of God and begin to build a legal case concerning it. And then after they had their legal case established, like this is what it was said in the Word and this is what happened, then they moved into their requesting. They're requesting and they're requesting is, Lord, we want you to have access in this area of life. We want you to have uh, permission and we're asking for this. We're asking for boldness and we're asking for the ability to do signs and wonders. So they were asking the Lord for access, for ability to speak and anointing to do. So in this prayer, they're building a roadway to the heavens that gives them access on speaking boldly and performing signs and wonders, okay? So they are building this access. Now, let's look over to Acts chapter 5 in verse 12. In Acts back chapter five, verse 12, it says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. So in Acts chapter four, we see they're building an access for God to do something. And we see in Acts chapter 12, that something is happening. This access road into the spirit, this prayer into the spirit is being answered because we see proof and evidence that what they had prayed is coming to pass. If we continue to look in Acts chapter 5, we get over to verse 33. The uh, uh, the apostles have again been arrested and they've been put on trial. And so um, they are speaking boldly concerning this. And if you look at uh, uh, the passage of scripture, then where it begins in verse 33, we're not going to read all this, but what we see is they've been arrested, they've been put on trial, and now we have Gamaliel's advice to those authorities that are putting them on trial saying, you know, wisdom says this if it's of God, we don't want to fight against them. If it's not of God, it'll be brought to naught. And what that was, was that was safe passage or favor for those apostles. And that prayer back in Acts chapter four built such an access that it caused those barricades or those things that would try to stop that access from operating this this trial that they were having, it caused the barricades to come down because once the spirit of the Lord can travel a highway, can travel a roadway, can answer a prayer, nothing can stop him. And so we see that this prayer in Acts chapter four even affected authorities and leaders, even though they were not specifically prayed about because it was about an access for the spirit to move through them With boldness, signs, and wonders. And anything that was gonna get in the way of them having access to do that, then was going to be pushed out of the way. If we move over to Acts chapter 6 and look at verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. This prayer in Acts chapter 4 affected those people that came to believe because we need to understand that prayers remain before the spirit of the Lord. They are, as the book of Revelation says, they are bowls of incense in the throne room of God. Now, incense continually wafts off a scent and the prayers we pray continually waft off a scent in the throne room of God, reminding him that, that he has been given access by someone in the earth to intervene. And if you look at verse 10 of Acts chapter 6, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. A boldness was on him to speak. They had prayed for boldness. They had prayed for signs and wonders. And we see Stephen is walking in that. Now let's flip all the way over to Acts chapter 14. Looking in verse 13, because, you know, this is a study of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. I said 13, I meant 3. Therefore, they stayed there a long time in Iconium, speaking boldly in the Lord, who is bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So we see that Paul and Barnabas are also speaking boldly and doing signs and wonders. So what we have here is we have this access that was gained in Acts chapter 4. And we know the access was gained because we even had visual evidence in the fact that the whole place shook. This access that was gained for the Spirit of the Lord is still working years later, possibly. In Acts chapter 14, we know it's a number of days, possibly even years. So we see that this request for signs and wonders, this access road was gained and it continued to work all the way through the book of Acts. So let's look at some other things that accesses did or prayers had accomplished in the book of Acts. Let's go back to Acts chapter six. Reading in verse three of Acts chapter six, it says this, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. What it was is the Hellenist Jews were upset because um, they were not being tended to. And so they brought this to the um, the disciples is multiplying. They bring that to them. And the apostles say this, let's find seven men to do this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. So they were deciding that we're going to continually be in prayer because it's a given that we continually need access. We need the spirit of God breathing on us continually. So we're going to spend our time in prayer and the ministry of the word. But let's appoint some people to take care of this business. And this is where we see the verse, the first deacon's commission. And um, because that, that access that they were going to need for their life was going to be determined by their prayer life. And they didn't want their prayer life hindered with the business of serving. And so because of this, they were going to continually take up the notion of prayer. And then they find out in verse five, the saying, please the whole multitude, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and the rest of them they appointed. And in verse six, they set them before the apostles. And when they prayed, they laid hands on them. Another type of access for the spirit of God. When they prayed, they laid hands on them, okay? So there is a confirmation when there's a laying on of hands coupled with prayer. And um, this, this, this prayer, this access, if you would, what it did is gave God access into the lives of those they were laying hands on, laying hands on those deacons laying hands on them, commissioning or dedicating them to a work for God. So what they are doing is they're taking up a position of, God, may you have access into this life. We see that sometimes when we dedicate children to the Lord, we pray over them, we lay hands on them, and we dedicate them. So, what we're doing is building, the prayer is building a roadway for God to intervene in that life. Okay? Um, So, we've got the apostles doing this dedicating, doing this committing of these lives. Let's look at another one, Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, in verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. Now, I want you to notice that in both cases, they prayed before they laid hands on. Um, And it's important to realize the word of God tells us to not lay hands on anyone hastily meaning lay hands on them after you've heard in prayer because you want the access road to be cleared for what you're laying hands on them for. And so um, they prayed and then they laid hands on them again. Okay, Um, let's look at another type of prayer. So we see that um, our prayers of requests are accesses for God to intervene. Our prayers, of dedication, our accesses for God to intervene in another one's life. We've dedicated them to the Lord. And let's look at Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1, um, we see here a man by the name of Cornelius. And Cornelius is a, a centurion of the Italian regiment. And he's a devout man. It says in verse two, and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So he is a prayer. He is a man that gives, gets access, a man that gives God access. And about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to them, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. So you have built an access where your prayers and your giving is coming up to the throne room of God. And obviously, Cornelius is a seeker of God. And then Cornelius has a vision. And he has this vision of uh, someone coming to him um, to help him. And he has a vision and instruction that send men to this town for this person. This is where he's living. This is where his house is. And he's going to tell you what to do next. Okay. So we have some very precise details in this, given to this man because of the access that he has accomplished. So then we see in verse nine, the next day, these men that he's sending are going on their journey and while they're journeying, Peter goes up in a different city, not the city Cornelius is in, and he goes up to pray and he's going up uh, about the sixth hour, about noontime. And he gets hungry and wants to eat. But while they're making ready, he falls into a trance, trance and sees heaven open and a great sheet coming down. And we know the story of different four-footed beasts and the Lord tells him, kill and eat. and He says, not so because they're unclean. And this happens to him three times. So we see that Cornelius' prayer life gave built an access that he got specific details of what had to happen next. And we see Peter's prayer life giving him a vision. Now, if we didn't have these recorded in the word of God as we do, Peter wouldn't know about Cornelius's prayer, and Cornelius may not know about Peter's praying unless the Lord had revealed it. But we see this in scripture and this is what sometimes prayer does. Because Prayer gives you access to the Father, and so you are sitting at this place praying to the Father, and someone else is in a different place praying to the Father. There will be intersections, if you would, as there's intersections in roadways where they will connect because you're both getting an access from the Spirit. So when you come to that intersection, then you have that place where you'll either come together in a Y and you'll continue to build access together like in corporate prayer meetings or you'll come to an intersection where it crosses and you become the element of the Spirit that needs to meet that person in the natural realm as it was with Peter. Peter had a vision Because he's praying and he's getting an access to the father for a new insight, a new revelation. But Cornelius's prayer is also coming up to the father. And so there's an intersection and Cornelius knows I've got to pursue this man. And Peter's saying, I've got to go for this man. So there's an intersection. And then what happens is they become the ones that walk the roadway of the things the spirit of God wants to do in the natural. So there was an intersecting of their lives because when you're building roadways in the spirit, when you're building accesses for the spirit, there's also networking that's taking place. And, uh, Peter is told what he needs to do. Hallelujah. He's given specific direction. So we see Cornelius has had a vision. Okay. And his prayer life is what gave access for that revelation or those specific directions. And we have Peter's prayer life giving access for specific direction, instruction, and a vision. Okay? And sometimes we are lacking specific direction in life. And if you're lacking specific direction, you need to stop and tally, is your prayer life one that's giving access for specific direction. I mean, what Cornelius got was amazing. Go to this town for this person. He's living in this house. It's located here. Okay, those are some very specific instructions. And his prayer life gave it access for those specific instructions to happen. Um, I just want to caution this. Visions without a word-based prayer life will become deceptions. Visions. Trances, dreams, without a word-based prayer life will become deceptions. But visions, dreams, with a word-based prayer life become revelations or directions for life. See, without a prayer life, God doesn't have access to lead you that clearly. You know, one of the things that um, sometimes people like to say and like to assume and like to put out there is well, I just pray every day on my way to work. I just pray in the car or I just pray this. But I want uh, to uh, make sure we understand this that clarity in the noise of hearing the voice of God is determined by knowing that voice when it's quiet. We're in a a noisy society and a noisy society doesn't lend itself to the voice of the Lord. But if you spend enough time with God in the quiet places, you will become so familiar with the voice of the Lord that you can hear that voice in the noisy places. So there has to be, if you're going to be an effective prayer that experiences specific directions, visions, all these wonderful encounters of God that we would like to have like they had in the book of Acts. It's going to be a requirement for you to have a consistent place of quietness with God in the spirit, a place for prayer and communion. Otherwise, you're open yourself up to misleadings and deceptions in this life. All right. And then it goes on. So Peter gets to Cornelius's house and then he opens his mouth in verse 34 and begins to speak. And he gives to Peter a message of the kingdom of God. He, he preaches this kingdom of God message to Cornelius and Cornelius and his whole family and household is saved. Okay. Um, then, so we see that these prayers that these two individuals prayed intersected and gave access. Now we can say, oh, it's great for Cornelius and it was great for Peter. But more importantly, we have to understand that there was a bigger thing God was doing. This was the first time that God released to the church that Gentiles could be saved. It was the first time that you didn't have to be a Jew in order to hear the word of God and to experience the gospel of the kingdom. The very first time. So these intersections, when it came together, made a broader roadway, if we could say that, for a bigger insight that God had to get into the earth. All right. So now let's go over and let's look at another another type of access. In Acts chapter 9, verse 40, um, we have in this story, the lady named Dorcas, Tabitha, She has passed away. She is dead. And so um, Peter comes with them. They go into the upper room and there she is, a dead body. Now, we could consider that a problem, okay? That is an obstacle. It's a weighty thing. But if we look at verse 40, Peter puts them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. So we have this obstacle of a dead corpse. And we have what Peter does. He kneels down and he prays. He's looking for the access road. He's looking for the place where the intervention of the spirit of God can come. Now, we remember this back in the book of John. It says this about Jesus. Jesus didn't do anything unless he saw the Father do it. He didn't say anything unless he heard the Father say it. So when did Jesus see the Father do things? When did Jesus hear the Father say things? It's obviously in prayer. So Peter is following what Jesus' mandate was about, specific situations peter kneels down to pray and he must hear the father say say this tabitha arise sometimes we don't know what to say and we don't know what to do in a crisis because we haven't had a lifestyle of prayer that forewarns us or gives us insight where we don't have a life where the father's telling us what to say and telling us what to do. We don't have that access built between us and the father. And so Peter says, Tabitha arise and she opens her eyes and she sits up. So access was gained. Peter found the roadway, the way the spirit wanted to do this. He found the way the spirit of the Lord wanted to act and he followed that out. Hallelujah. So let's go over to Acts chapter 28. So Peter heard what Jesus would say in that situation. Now, if we look at Acts 28, verse 20 uh, verse 7, this is after Paul has been shipwrecked. And in that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the fever of Publius Publius. Lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So we see that Paul gets down and prays. Again, he's looking specific direction about this specific case. Now, back in Acts chapter four, we prayed for signs and wonders to be done, so they ought to be done. But what we have to understand is there was an access gained but we needed a specific roadway for healing to happen here. And what happens is Paul prays and he doesn't say anything out loud to him like Peter said to Dorcas or Tabitha. Instead, he just lays his hands on him and he heals him. Why did he do that? Because in prayer, he saw the access for the spirit of the Lord that what the father would do, lay a hand on them. So here we see that those prayers gained access. If we look in Acts chapter 12, we're running a little low on time. Let's We'll hurry. How fast can you go to Acts chapter 12? Acts chapter 12, we have the scripture where Peter is imprisoned and an angel comes out and delivers him. But if we look in verse five, it says Peter was kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. So we have Peter getting delivered, all right? In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we have Paul and Silas in prison getting out, and it says they're praying and singing hymns to God. So we have intercessions for deliverance. We have prayer and praise in the midst of this where we need deliverance. But what we must always know is that Prayer life is not determined by emotions. For instance, when Peter was kept in prison and constant prayer was offered to him by God, when Peter gets out, he goes to the house and he knocks on the door and the girl comes out and opens the door and she's excited because it's Peter and she goes back and tells the people and they said, no, it can't be Peter. Peter's in prison. Well, aren't you praying? Aren't you interceding constantly for his deliverance because James has been beheaded? So prayer many times is building an access that we don't even know is happening. Obviously, they didn't expect Peter to get out of prison because they told her, no, it's not him. It, 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 it can't be him. In fact, um, it must be his angel. Another way you can say it, it must be his ghost. He must be dead. Okay, you know, they didn't expect it. And that's the one thing we must understand when we're praying. We are building accesses. And when we're in corporate places, each person is adding a little bit of that brick. And you may not emotionally feel like, hey, the brick is done or the roadway is done. You may feel like I put a brick in. But yet the Spirit of the Lord can take all of these intercessions and put them together and the roadway be built and you not even have any emotional sense of it. That he can accomplish something. For instance, when um, back in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas are in there praying and singing, all of a sudden an earthquake happens. They had built an access for deliverance, probably not even aware of it not even aware that that's what was doing. They were caught up in praying and praising and an access was built for their total deliverance. So we must understand that as we're building accesses, we may not emotionally feel something, yet we may emotionally feel something, but we cannot let the emotional piece of prayer be the controlling force because it's part of our development, okay? And we may not understand how God is networking things together. Many times you hear of people praying here when they're praying overseas about something over there, and their prayers are going over there. Now, the prayers, prayer, prayers over there may not have any sense of what's being prayed here, And the prayers here may not have a sense necessarily of exactly what's happening over there, but God is networking it together to bring about the result that he wants. The key of prayer is being open and exposing your heart first off that God has access to your heart because when God has access to your heart, he can use you to build accesses to his heart. And so it's the heartfelt, fervent prayer of a righteous man that avails much. The heartfelt, meaning giving God access to your heart. The fervent, meaning pursuit of his heart, that will avail much. So it's our giving him access to our heart, whether it's in consecration, dedication, looking for strategies, looking for instruction, looking for revelation and a pursuit to go after his heart, the place that contains all insight, revelation. And we're building as we're giving him access. He equips us to build access for him. And it just continually and perpetually moves and goes that there's transportations from the realm of the spirit to the natural. From the, the from the natural, the request go into the spirit. The result, the answer comes from the spirit to the natural. And it just keeps rotating. But in the whole process of events, we just continue to build roads and build roads and build roads and make ways for God to have access. Because as we've invited him in, in pursuit of him, we've given him access. So you might be building roads of specific requests with boldness and signs and wonders. You might be um, building uh, roadways for dedicating another's life that they live and walk and abide in the anointing for service to God. We might be building um, uh, access for a revelation to come from heaven that will change the church like Cornelius and Peter did. We might be building uh, a roadway for access on what to do, a specific instruction like Peter and Paul had for uh, Dorcas and the the man on the island. We might be getting specific direction of accesses because we do what the Father says, uh, and what we see the Father do, we hear what the Father says and tells us what to do. We could be praying prayers of deliverance that are apart and aside from emotion, but they're networked together doing a great change. All of these things, our prayer life is to give God access to do what's in his heart to do. So the next time you go to prayer, think about I'm not just praying from my position with all I need, but I'm building a roadway for what God wants to do. I'm building an access not only into my own life, but into any place that God wants to transform a life. That I am building an access way. I am a construction worker in the realm of the spirit. And if I will construct things right in the spirit, then everything right will happen in the natural. So remember that when you go to prayer, you're a construction worker for the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. See you in the next class soon.